Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Good morning. Oh, it is a good morning here. It is. It is. It's a crazy morning around here. Is it? Why? Well, you know, the whole East Coast is blowing up a little bit. True. <clears throat> yeah. That's That's got to be kind of weird. It is kind of weird. It's kind of scary and it's kind of sad, but it's uh, it's it's got a lot of conversations going, so... Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, the world is becoming a very strange place, isn't it? Yes. I don't get it. I, it's, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe some, our uh, experts today can shed some light on some of the stuff that's going on around here. But I'll tell you what, that, the whole um, the mob scene, the riots and all that stuff going on in Baltimore are just frightening. It, I think the thing that scares me most about them is the fact that they were started by high school students. Did you know that? Mm, no, I didn't realize it was that. Yeah, 200 high school students started Ugh. that. There were peaceful protests. Right. There were peaceful protests at the funeral, which made sense. And then 200 high school students started throwing rocks at police officers and and just generally going crazy. And then adults came to the defense of the teenagers and it just started this whole big, ridiculous scene. And um, the thing that's so scary is if, well, you, we can't get away from it on the news. Literally, no. we can't get away from it. Um, but the thing that's really, truly scary is that um, the authority figures, like the governor and, and the mayor and all that, were actually asking parents to go get their kids and take them home. Hmm. And did did you see the one mom? Yes. I just saw that this morning. I want to have her on the show so bad. I wish we knew who she was because I want to give her an honorary award. Uh, You know, it's uh, there's if if you haven't seen it, Parent Nation, there's this one scene where they were just filming the rioting. and, And the group that they were filming was a group of teenagers. You can clearly see it. And there was this one teenager, he was all dressed all in black. He had a black hoodie on and a black backpack, and he had a black ski mask on. Next thing you know, this woman in yellow comes out of nowhere and just grabs that kid upside his head and starts pummeling him. Here it's his mom. Mm-hmm. She, she saw him on TV. She did. <laughs> she did. And she walked past at least 10 cops in riot gear. She's like, I don't need your damn riot gear. Get out of my way. <laughs> she was like, oh, my God. Beat his ass the whole way across the street into a parking lot and home. I, they should have followed her home. I want to know who she is. <laughs> And she is, that's brilliant. And then there's people that are like, oh, that's, you know, that's abusive. No, 
No, it's not. What's going on in the streets of Baltimore is abusive and violent. Mm -hmm. She was preventing her son from getting killed or arrested. And however she had to do that, she had to do that. You know how you know she's not an abusive parent? How? The boy listened to her. <laughs> he didn't, he, you know, he blocked her. He blocked several of her punches. But for the most part, he was trying to communicate with her. And, and he was like talking back and not talking back, but like going back and forth with her. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. But the fact is he didn't run away from her. He didn't attack her. He did what she, she was telling him to do. To me, that's a kid that's raised in a home that got caught up in the group think and the pack Mm. mentality of what was going on and needed his mom to smack some sense into him. (laughs) And good for you, mom. Hoorah. Hoorah. (laughs) Hoorah. I got tagged on that one like a thousand times. Ah. (laughs) So, uh, but it's, you know, there's so much in the news right now that has to do with um, teenagers doing things, you know, just kids in general doing stuff that makes no sense. And what keeps coming back for me is, is lack of parental involvement. That's you know? a biggie. Right, wrong or indifferent. That mom was involved, right. you know, and you know, it's, it's oh, what's going on there is crazy, but you know, my son's Here's the level of crazy that we're creating in the United States of America right now, in case you're not familiar with it. Last night, my kids, now you have to remember my oldest teen, my kids are really into community service. They're really into bettering where we live. They, you know, they're the ones who are up at the public swimming pool this past weekend, you know, stripping and painting and doing all the things to get the community pool ready. Before that, my oldest son was doing a cleanup Hamburg with the wilderness group from high school. So my kids are really into doing good things. And it's not because we force them to. It's because we, we respect them and we honor them when they do those things. So they want to do it more right. because kids tend to you know, react better to positive reinforcement than negative in most cases. But still... Last night we were sitting in the kitchen. <clears throat> my oldest son said to me, we were watching all the stuff on the news. And my oldest son says to me, mom, if I wanted to riot, if I was rioting for something that I really believed in, would you, would you stand behind me? Would you support me? And my husband and I kind of caught our breath. And we, because what we realized in that moment was our kids no longer know the difference between peaceful protest and rioting. Mm, they're using it as the same thing. They're seeing it as the same thing. You know, a, a protest means that you riot. No, guys, that's not what it means. Parent Nation, you need to hear that. Because if you're not having that conversation with your kids, you absolutely must. And this isn't just something that they're going to get. You know, your kids aren't watching the TV and saying, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. They shouldn't do that. Our kids are watching the TV and going, oh, my gosh, but they're 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 protesting the death of that of of that guy. And, and, you know, and the same thing happened in um, Wichick Ferguson. Mm -hmm. You know, they were protesting the death of a friend of a of a community member but they were doing it the wrong way. And our kids are starting to think that that's the way it's done. Mm -hmm. 
you know? When, when you've got the Bloods and the Crips, which, honest to God, I didn't think they still existed. <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was West Side Story-ish, and I didn't realize that they still existed. That's not disrespectful. That's honest. Mm-hmm. When, when those gentlemen, there is an interview. There's one interview that you will have to search for on Facebook because everything else will, you know, the burning CBS, you can find that anywhere. But these guys begged a reporter to hear them. They were like, they, they went to this reporter and they said, you must listen to us. Please, we have something important to say. And she's like, you know what? Fine. You want, you gangbaggers want me to listen to you? Fine. Let's hear what you have to say. And what they said was, we didn't start this. We came here peacefully. We, the Bloods and the Crips, came together and embraced each other. And then we went to the police and said, we, we're, we're standing in protest of what's going on because no one is being held accountable for this man's death. And then the riots started around them, and they tried to stop the riots. They tried to stop the kids from breaking the windows and flipping the cars and burning the buildings and fighting with the people and throwing the bottles at them. But what happened was people assumed that they were part of the riots because they were wearing colors, because they were wearing flags, because they were in the melee. So they assumed that they were part of it, but they weren't. And that's mm. the kind of story that's not being that's the kind of story that's not being told. And that's why that's why this horrible scenario keeps brewing and popping up. That's why these kinds of things keep escalating to the point that they explode. Because people just want to be heard. And we're not hearing them. So Parent Nation, what that means is it's not good enough to just beat on your kids. Mom, I know why you did it. Mom in yellow, lady in yellow, I know why you did it, but it's not good enough. You need to take your kid home and you need to have a conversation with them. They all do. It starts in our kitchens at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. When your kid says, let's burn this bitch down, you need to go, baby, that's not going to get your voice out. That's just going to make people hate you and not hear you. That's the kind of conversation that we need to be having with our kids. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a perfect parent. My kids screw up all the time, but still the the conversations need to happen if we're going to change anything. So that's my rant on, uh, on Baltimore. Holy crap. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I feel so bad because Baltimore is, is an amazing city and it's, and it's a beautiful city and it doesn't deserve this. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the memories of the people who died don't deserve that either. You're not honoring anyone with that kind of activity. You're not. You're, you're, you're flipping it. You're, people are now siding with the police officers. That's what you've done. They're saying, oh, my gosh, look at how horrible these people are. How can we defend them? How can we listen to them when this is what they create and this is what they do? So you're flipping the switch in the wrong direction and you, and you need to stop if you want to be heard. Don't say that you want to be heard and then make yourself voiceless. So that's what, that's what I got to say about that. So anywho, oh my gosh. So our guests today, we have, we have two awesome guests today. We have, um, Dr. Shuin, who's going to come on and talk about children being sleep deprived, which I absolutely love this because you know how much I adore the once a year letter that comes home during the, <laughs> the standardized testing that says, make sure your kids get enough sleep. 
you know. That parental <laughs> reminder we all need. Exactly. And, <laughs> and eat a healthy breakfast. And eat a healthy breakfast and bring healthy snacks to school. Right. 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 Do you know that one school actually outlined the difference between a healthy snack and a not healthy snack? <laughs> I'm like, uh, seriously? Licorice, although it doesn't contain fat, is not considered a healthy snack because it contains so much sugar. Really? Duh. But you'll let them bring in those fruit leather, those fruit roll-up things, which is twice as much sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm, but it but has we fruit think- in the name. But it's made with real fruit that's had all the nutrition sucked out of it by a dehydrator. Now it's just leather with sugar. So anyway, so we're going to we're going to talk to Dr. Shuen about sleep deprivation and there are some very interesting statistics on how much sleep your teenager really needs and I think that you are going to be completely shocked when you hear it um because there's no way with our teenagers current schedules that they're that they're getting the sleep that they need. I think that mothers over 40 need a certain amount of sleep too. Maybe Dr. Shun will give us, give us some information on that. And then in our third segment, we're going to be talking to Dr. Adele Kaju, who's going to be talking to us about um, internet safety and, um, and how parents are contributing to the oversharing that kids are doing today. And, you know, it's like it, do as I say, not as I do kind of mentality. So we're going to be talking about that. Like, if you're so concerned about kids oversharing, what are you taking a look at what you're doing? You know, I mean, th- did you see the story about the teenagers? Eight, eight teenage girls took naked pictures of themselves and sent them to the boys. The boys that received the pictures were suspended. The girls got no punishment. Why? I don't know. I'm curious myself because here's the thing. Those girls are under 18. All eight of them are under 18 years old. Is that not child pornography that they were distributing? Yes. Yes. I'm thinking the girls should be arrested. Send them a message. I'm, uh, you know how I feel about this. We want to talk about how many times did Tara get the lecture from every feminist on the planet? Feminism means equality for everyone, regardless of gender. Bullcrap. Bullcrap. No, it doesn't. It means that women should be allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies, and men should have no right to determine whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, and they should not sexualize women, and they should not objectify women, and that is what feminism has become. And it is blatantly obvious in situations like this. To me. It's disgusting. No, young lady, you should not be allowed to send naked pictures of yourself to whoever you want and not be punished. First of all, there's the child porn thing. Second of all, those pictures are going to last on the Internet forever and ever. Amen. I don't care if you Snapchat it and you think it only lasts six seconds. There's such a thing as a screenshot. Mm-hmm. And that's going to last forever, sweet potato. So now when you go for that job interview or that college application that you want so bad, and they're going to go, hey, aren't you that girl who distributed those naked photos of yourself back in 2015? Um, No, thank you. Mm. And this is why I'm so glad that uh, that we're going to have Dr. Ju on to talk about it. 
I think we're we are sending our our children the wrong message when we tell them that the rules don't apply to them based on their gender. Yes. Yes. The little girl, the the uh, the little girl in kindergarten who was sent home in a t-shirt because her parents sent her to school in a dress with spaghetti straps. Mm-hmm. They're fighting they're fighting the fact that their daughter should be allowed to wear spaghetti straps because she doesn't have breasts yet. How about following the rules because they were stated by the school and your daughter's breasts had nothing to do with it? It was a matter of, does your daughter have gym class that day? You know, are they going to be playing dodgeball and now that spaghetti strap just slips off and now her little booby shows and now everybody's going crazy because you chose not to listen to the rules because they didn't apply to your daughter? Because sitting at her desk in class, it doesn't affect anything. But here's the thing. Your daughter has two recesses a day. She has gym class. She has all kinds of other things going on. You know, she puts a backpack on and off her body. Spaghetti straps aren't sturdy. <laughs> They're to be eaten. Yes. Yes. But if that did happen, the parent would be down at the school saying, why did the teacher let all the kids make fun of my child when her spaghetti strap fell off her shoulder? Right. Or broke or whatever. Yes, your daughter is adorable in that dress. No doubt. Get your family pictures taken in. I don't give a shit. But the school rule says no spaghetti straps. And the father's like, well, where are the male, where are the male rules? Um, there's tons of them. The ones that say don't sag your pants. You know? The ones that say don't wear chains on your wallets. The ones that say don't wear baseball caps. So, you know, you can take anything and make it gender specific if you want to, but you're choosing to see it through your daddy of a little girl filter. So the rule doesn't apply to you. Oh, for crying out loud. And that's the kind of thing that we're doing. That's the kind of message that we're sending to our kids that says to them, you know what, baby, if you believe in it, go ahead and riot in the streets. If it's that important to you, go burn that police car. Go go root, go loot that CVS if it's what you stand for and if it's important to you because the rules don't apply to you. Do you understand the butterfly effect of simple things like, well, my child's allowed to send naked pictures of themselves, just nobody else. My child's allowed to wear spaghetti straps, but nobody else. This is what we're doing. So anyway, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Shuin about whether or not our kids are sleep deprived. And maybe that's what's messing them up. Who knows? We'll come back from this break. And we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. The helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice. Oh my gosh, hey, yay, I love live radio. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about sleep deprivation. (laughs) I love this show. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you know what? <laughs> I need more coffee, Kelly. I know. This is awesome. So, okay, let's let's just be completely transparent. We've got uh we've got two awesome guests today, but they're doctors and they work. So, you know, they've got they've got patient emergencies. So we're gonna hopefully we're gonna have um Dr. Kaju on in a few minutes. And um until then, um, we were talking about some other stuff. Kelly, I wanted to um, I wanted to talk about some of the big things that we were talking about on Facebook last week because yeah. I've gotten our, – our Parent Nation community is super, super engaged and super active, which I love. And there are some things that I posted that got just a ton of attention. So what I want to do is I want to encourage people to go on and, and get more active in these conversations because they're really actually a ton of fun. But um, one of the things that I posted recently that just got super heated was, you know how they say when um, when someone wrongs you, you're just supposed to forgive and forget. Mm. Right. You're just supposed to let it go. And you do it for yourself. You do it for your own heart and you just let it go. I have I, I have kind of an issue right now with that because I feel like we've gotten so deeply ingrained in that belief that there's no longer accountability for the person who's wronged us. Mm. So I got you know, I said, why aren't we more focused on telling the person who's wronged us, reminding the person who's wronged us, there's nothing wrong with going back and saying you're sorry, going back and apologizing. And 
there were people that came on in the community that said someone wronged them 15 or 20 years ago and they let go. They forgave them. But even 15 or 20 years later, when that person finally came back and apologized, it healed a wound in them that they didn't even know was still open. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people didn't get what I was talking about. You know, they kept trying to correct me. They kept trying to get me to admit that the most important thing in the entire process is letting go to heal your own heart. But I already get that. I already know that. What I'm all about is the accountability piece to get the people who have wronged you to understand that just because someone forgave you doesn't absolve you from apologizing. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So so, so that like that sparked a pretty amazing conversation on Facebook. And I think that it's one of those. I think it goes back to some of the things that we're doing with kids today. I think that we are focusing so much on empowering our children, which is great. You know what I mean? We absolutely we need to empower our kids. But I think we are focusing so much on the onus of all things, forgiveness and happiness and healing on our kids that we are no longer holding them accountable when they do something wrong because we don't want them to be sad. We don't want them to um, feel guilt. We don't want them to feel shame. So we associate apologizing and admitting that you're wrong with shame and guilt. So we're not enforcing that behavior. Does that, I mean, do you have any experience with that? Do you, I'm, does that make sense to you? Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, and it reminds me of like the 12 step programs where you're supposed to go back even no matter how long ago it was and right your wrong or at least apologize. You know, that's really interesting that you say that because I have a friend in high school who, um, it, was dealing with a lot of issues in high school and then shortly out of high school. And I bet you it was close to our 10 year class reunion when that person contacted me and apologized. So that had to be like a decade later and it caught me off guard simply because I hadn't realized that there was even a problem that, that no, that's not what I mean. I didn't realize that I was weighing on their heart as part of their problem. Like they knew they had wronged me and I didn't even know it. How amazing is that? That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I think that we focus so much on freeing of ourselves by forgiving and we forget that apologizing can free us just as much. We don't tell our kids that. We, we go back to that whole guilty thing. And we don't remind our kids that just like the truth will set you free, if you go back and you own what you've done and you apologize, you seek forgiveness from someone, that can set your heart free just as much. So I think that's something that we need to start talking about with our kids. I, I, I find that really powerful. So... Anyway, I am, I was just told that Dr. Kaju is with us. Yay. Awesome. Hi, welcome. Hello. <laughs> We're having nice you on a little here. bit early. Sure, no problem. I think that, I love that you're on early, even though we only have like 
you know, eight minutes left in this segment. But I love that you're on early because I think that what you're here to talk about is so applicable to what's going on right now with our kids and um, and and parents being the responsible people. So basically, um, Dr. Kaju, what you talk about is that um, what we do today, behavior that we exhibit online today is going to go viral tomorrow. But you're you're putting a lot of that accountability back on the parents, too, and saying this isn't just what your kids share. It's what you're sharing about them, too. Right. Exactly. I mean, when we think about um, our kids at this point, so many of us as parents have already posted so much about them on social media that by the time they get old enough to start posting things themselves, they already have all kinds of information about them out there on the Internet. And some of those things might not be the best things for us as parents to be sharing. So I know that there's a there's a big thing going on. I was talking about it in the first segment. There's a big deal going on right now with those eight teenagers who post who sent naked photos of themselves to their boyfriends. The the boys who received the photos and then reshared them, they got suspended. Mm-hmm. But the girls who originally shared the pictures got no punishment at all. I mean, do mm-hmm. you think that that's that's feeding back into, you know, well, look at what our parents do. You know, sexting is so, you know, it's it's considered vogue among adults. Why, you know, why can't we do it? Do you think that's what we're creating? Well, we certainly need to be careful that if we don't want our kids to do something, and it doesn't really matter what it is, if we don't want our kids to do it, we probably shouldn't be doing it as parents. Right. And that, that's just the bottom line. So if our kids seeing us doing something then they assume that makes it okay because if, if, you know, and so, so we have to be the models for them and show them what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And that, that goes for any behavior, whether it's online behavior or out in the community or at home. Right. So we've got to be the model. It's so true. And I think that kids have gotten so um, accustomed to getting their validation from likes and shares. And now, you know, now we have the uh, Periscope, which is video, live video, where you go, where you do, you know, you want hearts, you want as many hearts as you can get. It's there's so many things that are putting our children into a spotlight to be validated that I think that's pretty much becoming what all they know. And, and that becomes pretty dangerous because there's there's um, this perception that if I didn't get validated, then there must have been something wrong with what I have posted or what I've done. And that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that we do that we do because it's good for us or it's, it's a good thing to do, but we're not necessarily going to get validated for it or others are not going to perceive it in the same way that we do. And so having, having con- needing constant validation is not going to help us to do some of those things that we're just not going to get validated for, but we still need to do them. Right. It's so funny because um, I was just talking to some people about uh, there's this whole movement that I want to start. I'm going to be starting it very soon. And it's basically to take one day a week and completely unplug. 
And what I found is when I was in those situations where my with my family that I had to unplug and I couldn't take selfies everywhere I went and I couldn't take pictures of my food and I couldn't share it on Facebook, I had more fun because I was actually engaging with the people that were with me who really mattered in that moment. Yeah. And then and then I could come back and reflect on the highlights from the day instead of posting everything and hoping that something got uh, got recognized, you know, or, you know, hoping that other people thought or saw what a great time I was having. It right. Was, and, and that's the funny thing is that if we spend so much time just posting about how great a time we're having, we don't really get to enjoy the time. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't that kind of an irony, you know? Yeah. It's it's the whole thing about selfies. You know, mm-hmm. we take selfies to show how much fun we're having everywhere we are, but the whole purpose of taking a selfie is because there's nobody else with you to take the picture. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we really need to redefine what, you know, what is important is, you know, is it important to be there in the moment and enjoying the activity? Or is it important to completely photograph and catalog every moment of our life on social media so that other people can see that we have a great life? It's so true. It's so true. You know, and here's the thing. I don't know if you have what devices you use to take your pictures and all that stuff, but I have an Apple device. And I have had pictures. I've been taking pictures on that phone since my first one many, many moons ago and putting everything on my cloud or wherever the heck you put it. Yesterday, I was asked for some pictures of a vacation that I took a while ago, and I went back to find them, and they were gone. Oh. I about had a heart attack. And that is hot. Yeah, it, it was like someone had taken away my entire history. Mhm. I had nothing documented. Yeah. But part of that is because we've put so much into the need to document. And if we if we if we identify that we have to have photos, we have to have a picture of everything in order to document that moment, then we're going to feel a much greater loss when those things happen because, unfortunately, we do live in a digital world and those photos do get lost or they get who knows where they go. They go someplace, but they don't, they're not available to <laughs> us anymore. And, right. and it, 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 there is a definite loss, but part of that is because of the, of the value we've placed on photo documentation. Yeah as opposed to just enjoying the experience and reliving memories through more of those old traditional ways of telling stories and recreating them in our minds. You know what just occurred to me, though, that's kind of scary? The only thing that made me feel better about any of that was that I could go over to this huge basket that I have in my living room, and I have physical pictures that I took with an actual camera and had developed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, at least I have those. At least I have my my kids' school pictures from each year and the pictures that we had to take with an underwater camera, so we had to have physical photos. But do you realize that our kids will probably never have that same backup? Right. It, it, it's going to be completely different. 
wow. I'm going to I'm going to make a case for bringing back the good old fashioned uh, one hour photo camera. <laughs> There was there there was a lot of um, excitement about getting those photos and seeing them in print that I think that's lost when you just see them on a computer screen. Absolutely. So, so, it, so there there is something there still is something very valuable about having a tangible photo in your hand. And just but imagine I, the scrapbooking opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the person that you know you can make those digital scrapbooks. Right. Yeah. I'm the I'm the person who prints that out. <laughs> but but then you have something tangible that you can hold and you can look at. Which is uh-huh. a very different experience than looking at it on a computer screen or a digital screen. That's so true. That's so sad. I feel bad for my kids now. I almost feel like when they come home, I want to be like, "Hey guys, we're gonna, we're gonna get a real camera. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna go get this film developed that I found in my purse from twenty years ago and see what's on those pictures." There's a thought. No, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to go to our first break. But when we come back, there's a lot that you talk about with um, whether or not the things that we're posting online for our children can actually harm them, damage them. So um, when we come back from this break, I really want to get into that part of the conversation and and see uh, what we're doing or what we can do differently to make sure that we're setting the example and we're practicing what we preach, basically. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Or pop-up window. Or close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, it. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in every Monday night during the debut episode of Paranoia Texas at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And you will get a chance to win some very cool prizes from McDonald's, Walmart, Geek World, Red Petal Salon, and so much more. All you have to do is listen for the cue, and when you hear this music, call in. That's every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, and win those cool prizes. Familia. Faith. Identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela 
and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoda, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the WOW Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hi, Parent Nation. Hey, Parent Nation. I was muted. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You know what, you guys? There's something electronic. Like, there's something electric in the air that's just messing with everything today. So we're just going to go with it because that's what Parent Nation does. We just kind of roll with it. So anyway, as I was saying to my muted microphone a few seconds ago, (laughs) we are being joined by Dr. Adele Kaju, and she's a pediatric psychologist who talks about um, how our behavior online as parents could actually be oversharing on our children's behalf and could actually be damaging them. So, which I completely find fascinating since we want to blame all the oversharing on the kids themselves. So, hello, Dr. Adele. How are you? Good. Nice to be here. Yay. I'm so glad. Um, so, we were talking earlier about, you know, what, what kids are sharing and how they, you know, how they overshare and they find that that's totally acceptable. But you're saying that that's pretty much based on lessons that we've taught them throughout their life and that our oversharing, even though we don't realize it, could actually be very damaging to them. Well, and the thing is, is that a lot of parents um, use social media as a way to connect with family and friends or to get advice. And so they're sharing a lot of information about their kids not always recognizing the privacy and safety issues that need to go along with that sharing. And so that's really um, what I'm hoping parents can kind of hear today is that we do need to take that into consideration because our kids do grow up, and so whatever information we've already put out there is still out there when they become teenagers, when they become adults. That's so ironic because one of the things that we – teach parents to talk to their kids about is, you know, never share what, what school you go to, when you have practices, when you're home by yourself, your address, all of those things. We're so quick to tell our kids not to do that stuff, but you're saying basically that parents kind of don't even honor those same rules of social media when posting about their kids. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, they're, 
our parents were sharing because, um, you know, our child is something that's kind of funny or maybe is super annoying and we just want, you, you know, we don't want to be left alone and we want others to to share in our in our challenges. And so we're not necessarily coming from a bad place. We're doing it um, sometimes to, to really kind of just um, help ourselves um, or just share with our family and friends. But we're not always considering the fact that, okay, what our child did at three or four years old that we put out there on the Internet or other, you know, other devices, that it's still going to be there mm. when they turn 18. Wow. Guilty as charged, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm one of the first people that if my kid says something goofy or does something ridiculous, I'm one of the first people to go back to my community and be like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe what Teen One did today. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, it's a normal thing because we're starting to get into that social media is a normal part of everyday life. And sharing what's going on in our lives, which includes our, our kids, has become very normalized without really taking that moment or that time to think about, now, wait a second, if I share this, is this something that my child would want me to share? Is it something that would embarrass them either now or in the future? Is it going to somehow harm them or hurt them in their future? Like, could it be used against them? Um, and, And is it something that, if somebody shared about me, would I want it to be shared? You know, those are some things we need to really kind of question ourselves about to make sure that the things that we're putting out there are okay to put out there. Wow. You know, it's to me, it was it's things that I would talk to my girlfriends about if I was on the phone with them. But it's so quick to forget. I'm so quick to forget that now I'm on the phone with 5000 of my closest friends. Mm hmm. And that makes it a totally different scenario. It's a very different scenario because not only are you sharing with that large group, but that large group can then share with their large group, and it can go on from there. And so it's very, very difficult to then control that information that you just put out there about your child. Mm -hmm. And so so you really need to be careful. So let me ask you this, you know, being the typical mom, my kids do goofy things all the time that are funny and that I know my community would be at ease a little bit knowing that my kids screw up too, right? Mm -hmm. And kids think everything that their parents do is embarrassing. So is there a point where the benefit to ease the conscience of a group of people outweighs the the whining of a teenager? Well, so I think that there are ways that we can connect as parents and know that we have similar experiences without being specific about the particulars of our, our teen or our child. And I probably would recommend that over getting into the very specific details. Mm-hmm. And so so what that does is if our teenager is uncomfortable with us sharing information, which most of them would be, <laughs> we need, if we want to build 
a trusting relationship with them. We need to respect that, but we still can talk about it in more general terms in order to connect with that community. Uh, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. So it's kind of like the old um, use I phrases instead of you <laughs> phrases. <laughs> it it, it kind of is. It really is. Because, you know, especially as our kids get get older, you know, preteen to, to definitely our teenagers, they're already beginning, you know, those preteens are already using some social media and teenagers, a lot of them already are. Mm-hmm. And so... They they don't want stuff out there that can be embarrassing to them or that somebody, you know, somebody else at their school could get a hold of and then could use to embarrass them. And so we really need to, to weigh, is this something that my community really needs to know? Or is there a way that I can talk about this or communicate this in a way that they don't need to know the details, but we can still open up a conversation that is helpful. I like that. And you know, when you put it that way, truly when I, I, I try not to mention my kids by name. Um, and I don't friend any of their friends. Like I would mm-hmm. never allow any of my kids' friends to be my friends. And they always ask me too. They're like, why won't you accept my friend request, mom? I'm like, oh, I'll hit my limit. <laughs> but the truth <laughs> is, the truth is I don't friend anybody under 18. I yeah. just don't. Um, so that, that's one thing that's, that's really important to me. So when we see kids that are, that are putting things out there, like the, like the teenagers that put the, uh, the, the nudie pictures out there, is there a way that we as a parenting community can address those things with our kids? Like, do you make any suggestions on how we can discuss this stuff with our kids to let them know how dangerous it is? Right. Well, and I I think the best communication is just being very open and honest about what is what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, most teenagers, by the time they're teenagers, know that this stuff goes on. They've either have known somebody who's done it, or has heard of somebody about somebody who's done it, or seen it themselves, or whatever. Most of them are very very familiar, so it's not something that a parent's gonna start the conversation and they're going to be like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about this. They're going to know. They may (laughs) say that (laughs) to get out of, to avoid the conversation, but they know. And, and so it's really about just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of difficult conversations parents have to have with their kids. And this will be one of them. And it's, it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. So there aren't any, quick tricks or easy ways to make it, oh, this will be the fun way to talk about sexting. No, there's no fun way to talk about it. <laughs> See, I would be the person who would just like send a picture of myself and, and be like, okay, now, now do you understand? <laughs> like, this is totally inappropriate. But hey, Kelly. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a hard time endorsing that, but. <laughs> yeah, nobody takes me seriously when I say stuff like that anyway. It's all good. But, <laughs> well, it was like when my kids wanted to see Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm like, well, how about you just watch dad and I like make out in the living room for a half an hour. And then if you're comfortable with that, then we'll go see the movie. But I would never really do that. But, you know, it was one of those things where I make my kids I, – I don't actually do the things. I just put the image in their head and then they go, ah, and, and then it kind of makes it go away for a little while. Right. 
Right. <laughs> well, and and the thing is, is that w- one of the things you're doing is you're making them think about what it is they actually want to do, and so they're having to think about, well, now wait a second, if I go see Fifty Shades of Grey. I do have to watch these scenes, and there are going to be these scenes, and how is that going to feel? Yep. Evil and, and, <laughs> and so, and, that, and that's, a, that's what we need to do, whether it's with, you know, sexting or other, you know, inappropriate, inter, you know, communication um, through the Internet or social media. We need to help them to understand that you got to think this through. Let's 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 stop and think about this. Okay, let's say you send you send this communication or you send this picture to, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend. What's going to happen next? And who's going to see it? Who are they going to send it to? And who else is going to see it after that? And then how are you going to feel when all these other people see it and know that you sent that out? And it's, I think it's the really thing having. So, I think the thing that's so hard about that, though, is your every teenager in the world is going to respond with, "But they love me, and I trust them. They would never do that. They would never share it. That's private, and they love me." Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, <laughs> do until they share it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know how your your best friend is on again, off again with her boyfriend, like underwear. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much the same. Thing. Right. So. And that's and that's the thing is parents can help come, have them come up with examples, especially if the teenager can come up with examples themselves of, well, now tell me about, a, you know, you know, your friend or tell me about somebody at school with after they broke up with their their boyfriend or their girlfriend. What kind of happened after that? Like what? How'd that go? And there's all they always know a situation where it went bad, mm-hmm. where all kinds of rumors then went around or all kinds of pictures or things started being sent out because of that breakup. And so you use those real live experiences that your teen knows about to help them to understand this is what happens. And if you don't want that to happen to you, if you want a different outcome, then you got to do something different. True story. So with that in mind, with that whole outcome thing and, and living with you forever thing in mind, how do you feel about parents who do public shaming on social media to punish their kids? It, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot about that that um, I can understand where parents are coming from, mm-hmm. but they need to understand that that public shaming is not a brief moment in that child's life. That public shaming has now become long-term in that child's life because it's there and it stays there, available and accessible to be brought up at any point in that child's life once they're, you know, adult, 30, 40 years old. It's still there. Take a look at those kids that the mom put them in the T-shirt It said, this is my, this is my timeout T-shirt. And the two siblings are in that T-shirt together, just with the tear stains on their faces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can tell that they're both really, really hurting. That picture has been circulating for at least three years that I know of. Yeah. You know, so there you are. You're, you're over it. You've been over it for 
two and three quarter years. Mm-hmm. But three years later, your kids are still dealing with it. Right. And at some point, they're going to be on social media, and all of a sudden those photos are going to resurface. And it's gonna and, and it's gonna be right there for them again. Mm. They're not gonna be able to get away from it. And so that moment of public shaming, which was to address a specific behavior, has now become a lifetime of shame. Ugh. Oh, and what a great way to end the show. Oh, I am so glad you came on early because we had so much to talk about. So do you have a place where people can reach you? From so I Yep, I am at um, Helen DeVos Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so certainly um, anyone who is, who is interested it can um, uh, go to the Helen DeVos Children's Hospital website and mm-hmm. find me there. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Kaju. And thank you for listening, Parent Nation. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, voice them on the Facebook page or check me out at tarakennedykline.com. Until next week, everybody, keep playing. Mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling 